a beloved and as a forgiven people, let us hear today's gospel reading. We are out of Corinthians, and we find ourselves today in the gospel of Luke. We will be reading chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. And I am reading from the New Revised Standard Version. But I invite you to hear this or to follow along in the biblical language that best connects you with God. So let us hear how Jesus calls the first disciples, Luke 5, 1 through 11. Once, while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had come out of them, and they were washing their nets. And so he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. And then Jesus sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, master, we've worked all night long, but we have caught nothing. But if you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled both boats so much so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. When they had brought their boats to shore, they all left everything and followed him. Thus ends our reading. These are the lessons of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, the title of today's sermon is Have You Heard the Call? And this may be a familiar story for some of us who have grown up in faith communities. It's a story that I certainly remember well from my Sunday school days. I specifically remember a play that we put on as a Sunday school where we had actual rowboats in the sanctuary with fishing nets. And I'm sure you can imagine how well that went with a bunch of elementary school kids. So you can thank me for not doing that today. But somehow, familiarity can uh, allow us to overlook details that we may have missed from the first time we heard the story 
or experienced the scene. And so I want to invite you to experience this moment in Jesus's ministry as if it's the first time you're hearing it, or even better, the first time you're experiencing it. So let's just take a moment and put ourselves in the boat or on the shore with Simon and his crew. Now, this fishing moment occurs in all of the synoptic gospels, which are the gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Because we've got to remember, John's gospel is its own thing, right? It's, it's doing its own magical, mystical Jesus thing. And so this occurs in the three gospels that kind of fold in together. But the Luke story in particular, which is the one that we're hearing today, is one that is unique among those three Gospels, this story of Jesus calling the first disciples. And if you want to compare and contrast, and I know you all are just itching to do that, I invite you to take a look at Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22, or Mark 1, 16 through 20. And there you will find in those other two books, those other two Gospels, uh, a newly called disciple experience. Now, in the other two Gospels, the disciples immediately respond to Jesus's call. There's no conversation. Christ calls them, and they come. But only Luke tells the story first of the miracle of the fish, and then the call to discipleship. So think of the ark, this overarching moment, as an act in three parts. We have Jesus working, where he's preaching to the crowds from Simon's boat. We have Jesus performing the miracle of the fish, the catch. And then we have Jesus's call to the disciples. And by placing ourselves into the story, we are giving ourselves the chance to be witnesses to it all both as we imagine ourselves as part of the initial moment and as hearers here in this moment today. In the boat, the only one we know for sure who has experienced Jesus's power happens to be Simon. And we know this because in the previous chapter of Luke, chapter four, Simon has seen Jesus's healing power firsthand. He is the only one of this group who even has an idea of who Jesus may be. And as an aside, this may explain why he was so willing to give his boat up. <laughs> when Jesus first asks him for his boat to be able to address the crowds on the shore, I imagine that um, Simon would not have been so ready to give up the one thing that he relies on for his livelihood um, to someone that he didn't know in some way. But other than Simon's experience with Christ or with Jesus prior, there's nothing really remotely extraordinary about Simon or his crew. They're simple fishermen. They're doing what they do every single day. They did not know or have the amazing power to know who Jesus was and what he was all about. Simon clearly didn't tell them ahead of time what he had witnessed previously, and 
In truth, maybe he'd already forgotten about the healing that he had witnessed, but he still recognized Jesus's face. And Jesus's teaching and preaching had started to gain popularity throughout the area, which was why he needed the boat, because so many people had crowded onto the shore to hear him. He needed to take a space back to be able to address everyone at once. But folks didn't know in whose presence they were. They're minding their own business. The fishermen in particular are more than likely really upset about having worked all night with nothing to show for their efforts. This is probably not the first time that this has happened to them either, and it probably won't be the last if they remain fishermen. And how many times have we felt this way, amen? How many times have we felt this frustration either professionally or personally or spiritually? How many times have we been like the fishermen, super annoyed? Although if you're a fisherman, you might use a different word that's not fit for the pulpit. Um, But you're really mad. You're frustrated because you have put so much work and effort into something and it's not appreciated. Or nobody notices or maybe you've put your effort into something only to have nobody show up. We've all been there. We are all in that boat. And so here we are, here they are, here we all are. And Jesus comes along and nothing will ever be the same again. Nothing is the same. And certainly, nothing will ever be simple or easy again after they meet this Jesus character. Did anyone in that boat know what the heck they were getting into? I'm guessing the answer is no. But they responded. They responded to this stranger on the beach with this really weird request to drop everything they've ever known to enter into something potentially life-changing. And they did it at the request, again, of a perfect stranger, pun intended. Now, how many of us in the boat would be willing to do that, to just drop everything? I'm going to assume that many of us right now are thinking, oh, I totally would. Totally. But that's because we know the end of the story. We have the benefit of knowing the turn that Jesus' ministry takes. Much like the original hearers of the Gospel of Luke, they too knew how the story ended. We know about the glory of resurrection that we are still talking about over 2,000 years ago. We know the end of the story. But remember, we're hearing this for the first time. We're in the boats. And we are with Simon and the exhausted and peeved band of fishers who do not have that knowledge. Like I said before, maybe Simon has an idea but the others, not so much. And Jesus calls to them. He calls Simon and the others. He calls us 
just as they are in that moment. Jesus calls them without demand to first, as I say to my kids often, fix their face and join up with him. He doesn't demand that they acknowledge him as the Messiah. He doesn't first ask them to get their you-know-what together and then come and follow him. He calls them without first asking them to go home and get things in order and then come back and check all the boxes, make sure everything is ready for worthiness of being a disciple. He doesn't do that. Instead, Jesus tells them, us, not to be afraid. And then offers them a new way of doing what they have already been doing. They'll still be fishing. They'll still be using their gifts and graces. But it'll just be in a new way for something entirely different. And as we read, they follow unquestioningly, which isn't realistic. This is where I believe the gospel becomes a little bit more prescriptive as opposed to descriptive, where the writer is telling us how it should go, where the gospel writer gives us a glimpse of how believers should respond to Jesus' call on their life. Because remember, again we know how the story unfolds. But let's be honest. For the first century fishers, and for us 21st century hearers, I cannot imagine that the decision to follow Jesus was that easy. I just can't. I know for myself, Responding to my own call to ministry was one that I actively tried to resist. I was making deals all across the board. Well, if I get into seminary, then we'll know that this is meant to be. And then I got in, and then I panicked. Well, if we can afford it, then we'll know this was meant to be. And then I got the scholarship. And that was the point where Brian said, stop making deals, someone's getting hurt. So I said, all right. But then even then, I reached out to others to ask them if they thought I was completely off the rails for even considering that I, this flawed person who doesn't even have the patience sometimes for their own kids when there's dishes in the sink, could be expected to be called by God. Now for those of us, those of you, who have encountered Christ and have felt that pull to some kind of participation in Jesus' mission, which is to transform the world through divine, capital L, love, my question to you is when did you first feel that call? When did you first experience it? When did you first hear it? Or maybe when was the first time you knew what it was? Just take a moment to think about it.
Now, how did you respond that first time? Or the second time? Or each time that God reached out and spoke to your spirit? Because I do believe that God is constantly calling us into deeper discipleship. Did you resist it? Are you still resisting it? Is it because what Christ is calling you to do, is calling us to do, seems really outrageous? Or maybe it's just plain impractical. Or it doesn't seem to have enough return for our energy input. How often do we enter into the call willingly? How often do we enter into the call to do something different, but then only give up before it's had enough time to fully unfold? These are some hard questions. Now, maybe you haven't heard or felt the call on your life yet. Maybe you can't answer these questions because you're still seeking or searching or trying to figure out what the heck it is that you're supposed to do. Guess what? This is your call. You are here You are giving yourself a moment to be open to the possibility of something. Even if you haven't realized the call, y'all are in the boat with us and with Simon too. You are here with us and you are welcomed into the weirdness alongside us. That still small voice of God is calling out And those of you still seeking, you responded to that call the moment you decided to log in or to tune in or to show up here today. This is your call. It's the call for those seeking and the call for those who have heard it. The call to something new to something bigger than maybe you have ever imagined. Something different that connects each and every one of us, not just to each other, but to God and to creation. This is your sign, your call. And we are all hearing and experiencing this together right now. No matter where we find ourselves physically or spiritually in this moment, we are in the boat together, just as we are connected to the original fishers of humanity that Christ called so long ago. Just like the first disciples, we are often struggling with what it means to be called into Christ's service to the world. They had no idea. 
They had no idea what they were getting themselves into, and yet that one moment of saying yes created a ripple throughout time that we are still talking about over 2,000 years later. And they did not experience a full return of their work in their lifetime. They had no idea, and yet they still responded to the call. Just like the first disciples, we struggle with it, especially, I think, today, as we talk about the church evolving into something new that we've never experienced in our lifetimes. Especially today when the definition of being a Christian or a Jesus follower is also evolving. And it's being defined differently today than it was when some of us had our first encounter with this very story found in today's reading in our Sunday school classes. In this new world of ours, bearing this new image of Christianity or wondering if we're ready to embrace that often fraught title of being a Christian, we're working through it and we're doing it together. How often do we just avoid responding to Jesus? What if we did it different? And what if we headed into the deeper waters of faith and of witness and of service to the world without being given a guarantee of what it's going to look like in the end? What if we did something different, even if we are convinced that we're not going to see any results? How often have we talked ourselves out of doing something, convinced that nothing we can do will make a real difference, however you define difference in the world. But what if we did it different? What if instead of focusing on what might not be, instead we throw caution to the wind? We climb out of the boat and we move with the spirit outside of our comfort zones and allowed our lives and our very selves to be radically changed. What if? Because, woo! We would be unstoppable. Can you imagine what a world filled with folks ready to be radically changed in love would look like? Imagine that, because we do imagine it every time we pray that prayer that Jesus taught us. So the question for all of us today and going forward is, will you allow yourselves to hear the call? Will you allow yourself to participate actively in Jesus' vision of a world that is oriented not by power or privilege, not by certainty, but by God's desire for us to do it different, to be justice makers, 
to be mercy lovers, to be humble followers of Jesus together, and to do it not because we're ready, not because we can be guaranteed something in return, but simply because we are perfectly, wonderfully, beautifully made children of God. What if, what if we heard the call and responded? This is as true for all of us today as it was for those first disciples. And that call does not happen when we think we're ready or when it's convenient or when things are aligned in such a way that it makes it easy to bring it to fruition. Because like those first disciples, we live in a world fraught with struggle and pain and brokenness. And that call is happening for each and every one of us in this moment. If you're looking for a sign, this is it. Jesus is calling you and you and you and you and I together. And we are being called to bring the good news of the world the good news of the light, the good news of Jesus, the gospel, that our loving creator is pouring out love. And we are able to experience that love in the most amazing ways if we just accept the invitation into it. God is inviting us all into working together with a message so transformative and all-encompassing and healing and needed that nothing will ever be the same once you answer. Once you answer to that call that is put on your lives, on your hearts, and on your spirits, in spite of our egos or our fears of failure or doubt. We just need to remember Jesus' reminder to Simon when Simon fully realized what was being asked of him, because that reminder is a reminder to us in this moment, too. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid of what is next. Respond and see. So may we be inspired to not be afraid and to take that first step beyond ourselves, outside of our boats, if you will, and let us embrace something bigger than we have ever imagined because we are being called to that right now. May it be so for each and every one of us. Amen.